0: we're in a new series in one corinthians over the next few weeks what happens when someone becomes a christian what does it mean for their day-to-day life what does it mean for the future well come along with us and see how paul answers that question over the next few weeks one corinthians chapter six verses twelve to 20. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead. And he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. This evening we're thinking, does my behaviour, do my actions really matter. Can I be a Christian on Sunday and then go off and get drunk at the rugby club on Monday? Or can I be a Christian on a Sunday and then go and use pornography on a Monday? Can I be a Christian on Sunday and then lie on my tax return It's due in a few days time on Monday? Or in the case here, can I be a Christian on Sunday and then hook up with a prostitute on Monday. Our British morals probably make us recoil at the last one. But what about the others? How do we rate those? A like prostitute, well, never. Mas- massaging the tax return. tisk disk. So as a Christian, does it really matter what I do? I guess I ought to be nice. But does it really matter what I'm doing behind closed doors, you know, in private, and when no one is around? Have we got our morals, but not got them grounded in our theology? Does it matter what I do? Well, I'm hoping once again, Paul is asking a question that we know the answer to, or at least the first part. Paul wants to say, yes, because the body really matters. Does it really matter what I do? Yes, because the body really matters. But hang on a minute, it might seem a bit simple there. What does Paul actually mean by the body? Well, if you've been here over the last few weeks, hopefully you'll remember that Paul has been talking about Christian's identity. That's a key idea in this book. A Christian is someone who is called into the fellowship of the Son. And that fellowship is being joined to Jesus. And Paul's making the case that our identity affects our action. And our action speaks volumes about what we think our identity is. The Corinthians are thinking me instead of thinking we. They've been ignoring blatant sin in their midst because, well, it doesn't matter to me. And they've been suing each other because they want to put me on top. And they want the world around them to see it. And this evening, they're doing whatever they like because it doesn't really matter to anyone else, does it? Can we be the same? See, this passage has sometimes been used to make the case my body is a temple. I mean, look at me. In some ways, it is saying that. But the way that's usually understood actually is making the same mistake as the Corinthians. You see, if we think the phrase means My body and my body alone is what matters. We'd actually fit in really well at Christchurch Corinth. The body here in this passage is Christ's body. The body we're part of is Christ's body. The Corinthians would have loved the phrase, my body, my choice. But what we do with our own body is far bigger than that. It affects the rest of the body. 1 Corinthians wants us to think when we see body, we're talking also about Christ's body. They're connected. Because when we were called, 1 Corinthians, that is when we were converted, we were joined, we were called into Christ's body. We became members of Christ as verse 15 of our passage tonight says. The Corinthians think their actions don't matter. They think at the end of the day, well, it's just for the now. It's all up to me. It doesn't affect anyone else. And we can think the same thing, can't we? That's completely wrong, Paul says. So how does Paul get there? How does Paul show us the body really matters? Well, first of all, the Corinthians and we need to see this. We need to see that we are united to Christ. Let me read verses 13 to 15. You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual morality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. You see, the Corinthians have three sayings in this passage, or at least they know of three sayings. That word you say isn't actually there. But these sayings are there so that we think. They're there to help us think what they're thinking. These sentences help us get inside the Corinthians' minds and see what they're thinking. And in the one I just read, the idea is that food is for the stomach. And the stomach is for food. And what we're saying when we say that is, in the end, well, what does it matter? Things are going to change in the end. It's all going to be destroyed anyway. Let me indulge now. Like a man with scheduled liposuction happening next week. Sorry, Sam, I'm not pointing at you. <laughs> a man who's got liposuction booked. Why not eat a jar of mayonnaise every hour for the rest of the week? I mean, at the end of the week, the surgery's happening. That's when it's going to really matter. Well, not. That's what the Corinthians are thinking here. But Paul wants to correct that. let have a look at his correction, verse 13. The body was not made... For sexual immorality but for the Lord and the Lord for the body the Corinthians are kicking the can down the road they think what I do now doesn't really matter the future is what matters at which point the food and stomach are not going to matter anymore so why not enjoy now well they could say well let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die and things will change or tomorrow we get new bodies but Paul answers there in verse 14 in fact, it's quite an odd answer when you think about it until you really understand what he's saying. So we've got food and stomach stuff, uh, sexual immorality, the body. Oh, yeah, God raised Jesus from the dead, by the way. He's also going to raise us. I mean, how does that connect? What's going on? Well, it connects in this. And this unlocks what's going on here. Paul is saying that right now, right now, the Lord Jesus is raised. Right now. And so Jesus' body matters Now. The resurrection of Jesus changes things now. Christ's body matters now. And when we say that Christ's body matters now, we mean all of Christ's body. All of Christ's body matters now. See how Paul's got there? The Corinthians are part of that body. We are part of that body. Look at verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Well, there's our question for this evening. Do you know that? The Corinthians here, they've got the goal wrong. Life is not meant to be devoted to temporary things now. Life is not meant to be lived and then there'll be a radical change in the future. Life is living now as a member of Christ's raised body. You see, the body really matters. So indulging in temporary things now is not the way forwards. And to unite members of Christ's body with a prostitute for indulgence now is wrong. To be a Christian on a Sunday and then use pornography on a Monday is wrong. To live like the world, which is here today and gone tomorrow, when you're part of Christ's body now, is wrong. Christ is raised now, so his body matters now. All of it. And each one of us are united to him. Your bodies are members of Christ himself. Do you know that? I mean, that's going to affect your actions. Because the body really matters. So you're united to Christ. Secondly, the Corinthians need to know that they belong. They belong to the Lord. See, the Corinthians here, they they believe they can do anything they like. You see that in the second half of verse 12. Have a look at verse 12. Second half. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. See, they're saying they have the right to do anything, and Paul goes, great, okay. But you do realise that things master you. Oh, this is a wordplay in the original language. Uh, literally, it means something like this. I have the power to do anything, but I will not be overpowered by anything. See the wordplay? It only takes a moment to realise that isn't the case. If we do some things, well, those things do have mastery over us. For instance, addiction. I can give up whenever I want to. It's not in charge of me. Well, wait a minute. In doing anything they like, the Corinthians don't realise they're actually being enslaved. But the issue in in these verses is that they already have a master. See, this passage actually goes further than addiction. This cuts a lot deeper. How does Paul show that? Well, have a look what he says in verse 16. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. What's Paul saying here? It goes to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. That's the famous passage about marriage. It's where the two become one flesh. They become a household together. A new family unit. They are united together. And that unity comes with responsibility. We're going to have more time to think about this next week. That's where we're going to go in chapter 7. Paul's going to explain what this means. But there is an authority in marriage. There is a belonging. The husband belongs to his wife. And the wife belongs to her husband. You could say there is a, a mastery there. In a good way. So for a husband to go and have sex with a prostitute goes against that, doesn't it? It gives the authority to the wrong person. So, a married person shouldn't go to a prostitute, I hope we're clear on that. But how much more, that's Paul's argument here, how much more should someone united to the Lord not do so? How much more should that belonging, that power, that mastery belong to the Lord himself? Just like a wife belongs to her husband, like a husband belongs to to his wife. Those who are united to Jesus belong to Jesus. He is their master. The issue with Israel all the way through the Old Testament is described as sexual immorality. See, as the Israelites spurned their relationship with God, as they turned from God's authority, God's relationship, to that with idols... As they turn from true love to knockoff, they are called adulterers. It's the same picture here. So you are joined to Jesus. That is the truth right now. You are joined to Jesus. He is your master. So don't go and try and find a relationship in this world to take his place. See so a wife using pornography to cheat on her husband? A husband using an app to message other women to cheat on his wife. Every act of infidelity goes against who you are. And all the more against the Lord Himself. So look how strongly Paul puts this verse 18. Paul says, Flee. Flee sexual immorality. Because sexual immorality is a sin against your own body, it damages your body. But that's big because that body is united in marriage and in Christ. See, it damages the marriage relationship. But it also damages your relationship with the Lord against your master. So flee from it. See, the body matters. The body really matters. You have a master. So what you do matters. Do you know that? The body really matters United to Christ, Christ is our authority. Final point, the Corinthians need to realise they are connected to a wider body. And when I say a wider body, I don't just mean a wide body. (laughs) man man's not back. (laughs) Remember though, verse 12, have a look back at the beginning. The Corinthians are saying this, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I mean, you do. You do have the freedom to do anything, sure. But that shouldn't be your priority. You should do, what does Paul say here? You should do what is beneficial. When Paul uses this word beneficial here, he's talking about thinking of others. All the way through this letter. To think we, not me. And that's why he's driving out here too. He asks them, verse 19, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have received from God. You are not your own. I mean, it's the famous verse, isn't it, for saying my body's a temple. But the issue here is that Paul is, well, well, he's mixing up his grammar. Let me read this as accurately as I can. Do you all not know that you all's body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you all? Now, that sounded a bit weird, didn't it? Can you see, Paul is mixing up his plurals and his singulars. He's breaking all the rules of English, well, actually Greek, here. But we don't need to get so het up about that because the point's actually quite clear. The two go together. The Corinthians are individually connected together. There are lots of me's, but they make one we. The Corinthians need to realise that so that they benefit. They do things that are beneficial to each other. They think what they're doing behind closed doors doesn't really matter. It doesn't affect anyone else. Well, we've seen that's wrong in the marriage picture already. But all of those things that we saw last week are there too. Have a look back at verse 9. There's a whole list there of things. Every single one of those things in verse 9 is a self-serving thing. All of those things might seem to be about you and your pleasure alone. But each one of those things is actually going against the idea of we. We. You see, the Christian who is part of a church on a Sunday and fiddles their tax return on a Monday, they might feel those two things are totally separate. But what happens when it's found out? Oh, well, that person went to Christchurch Hemel. The whole body is put into disrepute. What, you mean Christians fiddle their taxes? Uh, The drunk Christian on the Monday evening speaks volumes to the world around them. Aren't they part of Christchurch Hemel? Christians do that. I mean, just think back to the the man in chapter 5 who's sleeping with his stepmother. Paul said that was wrong there, didn't he? Because it affected the body. I mean, the man probably didn't think so. Uh, The Corinthians didn't care. My body, my choice. But what does Paul say there? Don't you know a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? What you do with your body affects the body. Now the picture of the body does lead to some rather odd examples. Sorry about this one. We're going to see this a bit later on. And I'm sorry this is a grim picture, but hopefully it makes the points. Just imagine your mouth. Imagine your mouth thinking to itself, well, I choose to eat broken glass. It won't affect any other part of the body. I mean, it's my choice. I know I'm not made to do that, but who cares? I really want to eat this broken glass. I mean, the the throat, the stomach, the intestines, carry on, they would have something to say wouldn't they? This point's the same here, you are part of the body you are connected to a wider body and you're worth so much more than that do you see what Paul says in verse 20? you were bought at a price you belong to God we are bound together as one And so our actions, the the sexual immorality, or as we've been saying, even bigger, the worldliness, from verses 9 to 10 as well, they don't just affect us. It's not my body, my choice, no. Our actions affect one another. Our bodies are part of Christ's body together. Do you know that? Do you think about this fellowship with your own actions? See, our world out there is telling us we're individuals. We live and breathe that air. It takes a real mind change to get this right. I mean, I don't normally think this way. I need to change my thinking as well. But I'm sure it's not just me. Your body matters. It's part of a bigger body. And the body really matters. So do you realise that your body really matters? Do you realise that the fellowship really matters? Do you know that? We'd be rightly horrified as a church if one of our church members visited a prostitute, yeah? But we ought to be concerned about all of our life, even the things behind closed doors, because all our actions matter. I mean, why would you behave like the world? It's not who you are. It's not what you've been called to be. Remember back to verse 11 from last week? That is what you were. But you have been washed. You have been sanctified. You have been justified in Christ Jesus. That is a reality. There is grace right there. But that grace brings expectations. You should honour God with your body. Your body and the body. Because they're connected, they are joined. Because Jesus is raised now, it affects now. Because Jesus is our master, he has authority over us now. And because we're connected to a wider body, we affect each other now. So let's pray that God would work that through us, through his words, cause us to change our minds where they need to be changed and realise that the body really matters. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Any questions can come to podcast email podcast at david-couch.com and I'll see you next week.